Chapter forty five of Varney the Vampire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Katerin Lama. Varney the Vampire, Volume One, by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter forty five The Stake and the Dead Body. The mob seemed from the first to have an impression that, as regarded the military force, no very serious results would arise from that quarter, for it was not to be supposed that, on an occasion which could not possibly arouse any ill blood on the part of the soldiery, or on which they could have the least personal feeling, they would like to get a bad name, which would stick to them for years to come. It was no political riot, on which men might be supposed, in consequence of differing opinion, to have their passions inflamed, so that, although the call of the civil authorities for military aid had been acceded to, yet it was hoped, and, indeed, almost understood by the officers, that their operations would be confined more to a demonstration of power than anything else. Besides, some of the men had got talking to the townspeople, and had heard all about the vampire story and not being of the most refined or educated class themselves, they felt rather interested than otherwise in the affair. Under these circumstances, then, we are inclined to think that the disorderly mob of that inn had not so wholesome a fear as it was most certainly intended they should have of the redcoats. Then again, they were not attacking the churchyard, which in the first case was the main point in dispute, and about which the authorities had felt so very sore, inasmuch as they felt that if once the common people found out that the sanctity of such places could be outraged with impunity, they would lose their reverence for the church, that is to say, for the host of persons who live well and get fat in this country by the trade of religion. Consequently, this churchyard was the main point of defense, and it was zealously looked to when it need not have been so while the public-house, where there really reigned mischief, was half unguarded. There are always, in all communities, whether large or small, a number of persons who really have, or fancy they have, something to gain by disturbance. These people, of course, care not for what pretext the public peace is violated, so long as there is a row, and something like an excuse for running into other people's houses they are satisfied. To get into a public-house under such circumstances is an unexpected treat, and thus, when the mob rushed into the inn with such symptoms of fury and excitement, there went with the leaders of the disturbance a number of persons who never thought of getting further than the bar, where they attacked the spirit-taps with an alacrity which showed how great was their love for ardent compounds. Leaving these persons behind, however, we will follow those who, with a real superstition and a furious interest in the affair of the vampire, made their way towards the upper chamber, determining to satisfy themselves if there were truth to the statement so alarmingly made by the woman who had created such an emotion. It is astonishing what people will do in crowds, in comparison with the acts that they would be able to commit individually. There is usually a calmness, a sanctity, a sublimity about death, which irresistibly induces a respect for its presence, alike from the educated or from the illiterate, 
and let the object of the fell destroyer's presence be whom it may the very consciousness that death has claimed it for its own invests it with a halo of respect that in life the individual could never aspire to probably let us precede these furious rioters for a few moments and look upon the chamber of the dead that chamber which for a whole week had been looked upon with a kind of shuddering terror that chamber which had been darkened by having its sources of light closed as if it were a kind of disrespect to the dead to allow the pleasant sunshine to fall upon the faded form and every inhabitant of that house upon ascending and descending its intricate and ancient staircases had walked with a quiet and subdued step past that one particular door even the tones of voice in which they spoke to each other while they knew that that sad remnant of mortality was in the house was quiet and subdued as if the repose of death was but a mortal sleep and could be broken by rude sounds ay even some of these very persons who now with loud and boisterous clamour had rushed into the place had visited the house and talked in whispers but then they were alone and men will do in throngs acts which individually they would shrink from with compunction or cowardice call it which we will the chamber of death is upon the second story of the house it is a back room the windows of which command a view of that half garden half farmyard which we find generally belonging to country inns but now the shutters were closed with the exception of one small opening that in daylight would have admitted a straggling ray of light to fall upon the corpse now however that the sombre shades of evening had wrapped everything in gloom the room appeared in total darkness so that the most of those adventurers who had ventured into the place shrunk back until lights were procured from the lower part of the house with which to enter the room a dim oil lamp in a niche sufficiently lighted the staircase and by the friendly aid of its glimmering beams they had found their way up to the landing tolerably well and had not thought of the necessity of having lights with which to enter the apartments until they found them in utter darkness these requisites however were speedily procured from the kitchen of the inn indeed anything that was wanted was laid hold of without the least word of remark to the people of the place as if might from that evening forthwith was understood to constitute right in that town up to this point no one had taken a very prominent part in the attack upon the inn if attack it could be called but now the man whom chance or his own nimbleness made the first of the throng assumed to himself a sort of control over his companions and turning to them he said hark ye my friends we'll do everything quietly and properly so i think we'd better three or four of us go in at once arm in arm pshaw cried one who had just arrived with a light it's your cowardice that speaks i'll go in first let those follow me who like and those who are afraid may remain where they are he at once dashed into the room and this immediately broke the spell of fear which was beginning to creep over the others in consequence of the timid suggestion of the man who up till that moment had been first and foremost in the enterprise in an instant the chamber was half filled with persons four or five of whom carried lights so that as it was not of very large dimensions it was sufficiently illuminated for every object in it to be clearly visible 
there was the bed smooth and unruffled as if waiting for some expected guest while close by its side a coffin supported upon trestles over which a sheet was partially thrown contained the sad remains of him who little expected in life that after death he should be stigmatized as an example of one of the ghastliest superstitions that ever found a home in human imagination it was evident that some one had been in the room and that this was the woman whose excited fancy had led her to look upon the face of the corpse there could be no doubt for the sheet was drawn aside just sufficiently to discover the countenance the fact was that the stranger was unknown at the inn or probably ere this the coffin lid would have been screwed on but it was hoped up to the last moment as advertisements had been put into the county papers that some one would come forward to identify and claim him such however had not been the case and so his funeral had been determined upon the presence of so many persons at once effectually prevented any individual from exhibiting even if he felt any superstitious fears about approaching the coffin and so with one accord they surrounded it and looked upon the face of the dead there was nothing repulsive in that countenance the fact was that decomposition had sufficiently advanced to induce a relaxation of the muscles and a softening of the fibres so that an appearance of calmness and repose had crept over the face which it did not wear immediately after death it happened too that the face was full of flesh for the death had been sudden and there had not been that wasting away of muscles and integuments which makes the skin cling as it were to the bone when the ravages of long disease have exhausted the physical frame there was unquestionably a plumpness a freshness and a sort of vitality about the countenance that was remarkable for a few moments there was a death-like stillness in the apartment and then one voice broke the silence by exclaiming he's a vampire and has come here to die well he knows he'd be taken up by sir francis varney and become one of the crew yes yes cried several voices at once a vampire a vampire hold a moment cried one let us find somebody in the house who has seen him some days ago and then we can ascertain if there is any difference in his looks this suggestion was agreed to and a couple of stout men ran downstairs and returned in a few moments with a trembling waiter whom they had caught in the passage and forced to accompany them this man seemed to think that he was to be made a dreadful example of some sort of way and as he was dragged into the room he trembled and looked pale as death what have i done gentlemen he said i ain't a vampire don't be driving a stake through me i assure you gentlemen i'm only a waiter and have been here for a matter of five-and-twenty years you'll be done no harm to said one of his captors you've only got to answer a question that will be put to you oh well certainly gentlemen anything you please coming coming as i always say give your orders the waiters in the room look upon the face of the corpse certainly certainly directly have you ever seen it before seen it before lord bless you yes a dozen of times i seed him before he died and i seed him after and when the undertaker's men came i came up with them and i seed him put him in his coffin you see i kept an eye on him gentlemen cause i knows well enough what they is 
cousin of mine was in the trade, and he assures me as one of them always brings a tooth-drawing concern in his pocket, and looks in the mouth of the blessed corpse to see if there's a blessed tooth worth pulling out. "'Hold your tongue,' said one. "'We want none of your nonsense. "'Do you see any difference now in the face of the corpse "'to what it was some days since?' "'Well, I don't know. "'Somehow it don't look so rum.' "'Does it look fresher?' "'Well, somehow or another, now you mention it. "'It's very odd, but it does.' "'Enough!' cried the man, who had questioned him "'with considerable excitement of manner. "'Neighbors!' Are we to have our wives and children scared to death by vampires? No, no, cried everybody. Is not this, then, one of the dreadful order of beings? Yes, yes, what's to be done? Drive a stake through the body, and so prevent the possibility of anything in the shape of a restoration. This was a terrific proposition, and even those who felt most strongly upon the subject and had their fears most awakened, shrank from carrying it into effect. Others, again, applauded it, although they determined in their own minds to keep far enough off from the execution of the job which they hoped would devolve upon others, so that they might have all the security of feeling that such a process had been gone through with the supposed vampire, without being in any way committed by the dreadful act. Nothing was easier than to procure a stake from the garden in the rear of the premises, but it was one thing to have the means at hand of carrying into effect so dreadful a proposition, and another, actually, to do it. For the credit of human nature we regret that even then, when civilization and proper education had by no means made such rapid strides as in our times they have, such a proposition should be entertained for a moment, but so it was, and just as an alarm was given that a party of the soldiery had reached the inn, and had taken possession of the doorway with the determination to arrest the rioters, a strong hedge-stake had been procured, and everything was in readiness for the perpetration of the horrible deed. Even then those in the room, for they were tolerably sober, would have revolted, probably, from the execution of so fearful an act, but the entrance of a party of military into the lower portions of the tavern induced those who had been making free with the strong liquors below to make a rush upstairs to their companions, with the hope of escaping detection of the petty larceny, if they got into trouble on account of the riot. These persons, infuriated by drink, were capable of anything and to them, accordingly, the more sober parties gladly surrendered the disagreeable job of rendering the supposed vampire perfectly innoxious by driving a hedge-stake through his body, a proceeding which, it was currently believed, inflicted so much physical injury to the frame as to render his resuscitation out of the question. The cries of alarm from below, joined now to the shouts of those mad rioters, produced a scene of dreadful confusion. We cannot for we revolt at the office, describe particularly the dreadful outrage which was committed upon the corpse, suffice it that two or three, maddened by drink and incited by others, plunged the hedge-stake through the body, and there left it, a sickening and a horrible spectacle to any one who might cast his eyes upon it. With such violence had the frightful inhuman deed been committed that the bottom of the coffin was perforated by the stake, so that the corpse was actually nailed to its last earthly tenement. 
Some asserted that at that moment an audible groan came from the dead man, and that this arose from the extinguishment of that remnant of life which remained in him, on account of his being a vampire, and which would have been brought into full existence if the body had been placed in the rays of the moon, when at its full, according to the popular superstition upon the subject. Others, again, were quite ready to swear that, at the moment the stake was used, there was a visible convulsion of all the limbs, and that the countenance, before so placid and so calm, became immediately distorted, as if with agony. But we have done these horrible surmises, the dreadful deed has been committed, and wild, ungovernable superstition has had, for a time, its sway over the ignorant and debased. End of chapter 45